Hello, this is Louis Forrest, and welcome to another edition of Kingsnake.com's web radio. Today I'll be talking with an old and dear friend of mine, uh, Carl Peter Bressman Kempen, who happens to be, by all accounts, uh, the world's most highly acclaimed artist in the field of herpetology. But Carl's art, uh, however, transcends far beyond herpetology. Now, uh, I first met Carl back in... 1984, since uh, we both lived near Salt Lake City, and Carl did a lot of work uh, for me when I owned Zooherp. Uh, he did everything from t-shirts to uh, brochures and so forth, but, you know, this really isn't Carl's world. He did most of his artwork out of friendship. Uh, Carl is actually in, entirely in a different league with giants in the wildlife artist world, such as Carl Brenders, Maynard Reese, Robert Bateman, and so on. And for anybody who knows anything about art, hey, man, this is really the big leagues. Now, when you look at Carl's art, I guess the best thing I can say is that you're just absolutely captivated by his images because he uh, instills expressions in his wildlife uh, like no other artist that I've ever seen. And not only are you just overwhelmed, but you're just awed by the complexity of his art in the sense that uh, I guess that the best way to describe this is when I see Carl's art, uh, I just get weak at the knees. Now. Recently, I uh, visited Carl at his home, and I saw a painting of a gorilla that he had just made. The gorilla had just found a chameleon. And not only did I get weak at the knees, but I was entirely just speechless. And guess what I'm trying to say here is that it's hard to portray, you know, some of the emotions that you go through when you look at Carl's work, because his work is just simply outstanding. Now, before I get started talking with Carl, uh, I also want to point out that Carl is also really uh, a down-to-earth person. Every year, he throws... Uh, kind of an end of summer bash at his house, and uh, these parties have been some of the most enjoyable get-togethers that I've ever had the pleasure to attend. So, I mean, I guess I've rambled on enough here. Uh, Carl, how, how you doing today? Good, Louie. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> you got paint on you? <laughs> Just kidding. I know you're pretty ridiculous. <laughs> uh, okay, to get started, the uh, the name Bresman Kempen uh, certainly doesn't sound Spanish, uh, doesn't sound Irish, sounds kind of Dutch to me. Uh, so uh, what, what, tell, me what, tell me about your, your background. Well, I was born here in the States. Uh, the name comes from my father, who was born in Indonesia. And uh, it's, a, it's a Dutch name. The Bresman Kempens uh, moved to Indonesia from Holland in... Uh, uh, I guess it was about 1800, and I uh, lived there until Sukarno gave him the heave ho in 1948. Ah, have you lived in uh, Salt Lake uh, for most of your life then? Yeah, I was born in the uh, Salt Lake area. My father, uh, when he decided to immigrate to the United States, had a cousin who had joined the Mormon church and had moved to Salt Lake, so he had family here and that's how he wound up here. And I was born in this area, and this has been home off and on. I've left a few times and uh, always came back. Well, Carl, here comes a point of question to start with. You know, anyone who has ever met you has to wonder how you're able to paint since you're missing parts of some of your fingers. Uh, <laughs> and they're on your right hand, and, and I know that you're right-handed. No, it's, they're actually on my left hand. Oh, it's on your left hand. Yeah, yeah. So um, that makes a big difference. Oh, okay. I've always thought that uh, that you know it was on your painting hand, so it's not. No. Uh, but then, how in the world is it that you're able to play such a good piano? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought also it would be a lot harder if it was on my on my right hand because all the complicated stuff I do, I usually just play octaves with my with my left hand. Well, it sounds great, man. <laughs> all right, Carl. Listen, tell us a little bit about your background um, as a herper. Well, I've always been fascinated by reptiles, and I had the good fortune to grow up in an area where uh, where there were a lot of sagebrush lizards. Uh, my backyard, where I grew up, was the hot spot in the in the town where I grew up for catching sagebrush lizards, and uh, so I guess 
growing up in that environment had a lot to do with really early fascination with reptiles and used to keep those sagebrush lizards and racers and just native stuff, horned lizards. And, and then uh, as I got to be high school age, I started to expand into exotic stuff, boas and, and uh, especially lizards. I've, I've always been especially fascinated by lizards. And up until the time I decided to really get serious with my artwork, I was kept and, and bred a, a bunch of lizards. And then at this time, I don't have anything. I divested myself of all my reptiles, so I decided to, to uh, go whole hog into painting. And now I, I do so much traveling that it's, it's, it's really impossible to keep a collection of animals. What is it you try to convey uh, with your artwork? Well, um, it depends from uh, painting to painting. Usually uh, the concepts of my paintings are ecological concepts. I try to tell little stories about how animals interact with other animals and how they interact within their environment. And so that I'm kind of a storyteller. I try to be with my artwork. And as far as artists, uh, which ones have been the most influential in, in the work that you do? Well, uh, the first artists that I was really struck with strongly as a kid were uh, Rembrandt and Audubon and Salvador Dali. And I think I really got my artistic feel kind of from those artists. Uh, I really learned how to draw and paint by copying their work as a kid. Then as I got older, it wasn't until I was really well into my 20s that I uh, knew that there were a lot of contemporary people painting animals, even though I was uh, interested in painting animals. And it wasn't until I was well into my 20s that I really became familiar with the work of Robert Bateman and Carl Brenders and Guy Koliak and the, the great contemporary animal painters. And so, so those guys have been uh, really important, but more in just fine-tuning my work, and especially Carl Brenders. Once I saw his work, I really wasn't aware that such things were possible. He's so amazing at at representing the textures of nature, and it was really exciting to me to first see his work and, and re really understand that it was possible to do stuff like that with paint. Now, you mentioned uh, you're interested in lizards. Um, uh, are, you, are these your favorite herbs, or, or what kind of herb groups do you uh, uh, prefer to portray in your art? Well, I, I do a lot more lizards and frogs than anything else, mainly, I think, because those two groups are so diverse, you know, um, both in form and in habits and life histories and uh, there's just so much more uh, I think to to do with them. Now besides herbs, so do you uh, paint other kinds of wildlife? Yeah, I paint all kinds of animals. I'm, I'm a, an equal opportunity uh, artist. <laughs> I, I have some pet groups uh, outside of the herbs. I paint a lot of hornbills. I'm, I've been obsessed for hornbills for years and primates. Do you see the, this direction changing um, anytime in the future? Well, you know, I think I'm starting to move away a little bit from representing the world as it is, the natural world as it is, and I'm starting to, starting to try to do more with uh, dealing with philosophical issues of nature and, and maybe making up, painting paintings that aren't necessarily representative of the, of the world as it is. All right, Carl, listen, uh, the time has come for us to, to take a short commercial break here. You're listening to kingsnake.com's web radio, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. This episode of kingsnake.com web radio is brought to you by onlinehobbyist.com, the leader in online advertising solutions for the pet industry, and by 
Triple L Reptile and Supply. Triple L Reptile and Supply is dedicated to bringing you top quality service, great selection, and low prices. Stop by their website at LLLReptile.com. We're back. Uh, this is Louis Flores, and today we're visiting with world-renowned wildlife artist Carl Peter Bressman Kempen. Uh, Carl, I know that you're uh, a laid-back kind of a guy, and it's hard to get you to talk about uh, some of the accolades that you received in the art world. Uh, once again here, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I know that you won uh, a number of awards, uh, such as the, the Best of Show at the International Herpetological Symposium meetings, uh, also the, the National Reptile Amphibian Art Show, and, and so on. But uh, can you tell our audience a little more about some of the other awards at uh, various shows and exhibits uh, uh, outside of the herp world that uh, you have received? Well, I guess the first um, the first big one that I received was the Arts for the Parks Wildlife Award in 1992, um, and then I won that uh, taken best of show in a number of major shows like the Pacific Rim Wildlife Art Show and the Southeast Wildlife Expo. And let's have won the uh, won three three uh, awards of excellence from the Society of Animal Artists. Um, Isn't that the most prestigious uh, award that's giving in the art world? Uh, well, it's it's yeah, it's one. It's definitely one of them in the wildlife art world. Uh-huh. It, was, it was quite an honor to to get those. Now, what shows or, or art exhibits can your work be seen at? Well, I usually do uh, about three or four expo-type shows per year. Uh, I'm on my way in February down south for one of my favorite little show tours. Um, the first week of February, I'm going to be uh, in Lakeland, Florida for the Florida Wildlife Art Expo. And I'm going to do a couple weeks of canoeing in the south and then up to Charleston, South Carolina for the Southeast Wildlife Expo. And I generally uh, exhibit with the Society of Animal Artists annual show, which tours. I generally have artwork uh, touring the country every year. But isn't sometimes, uh, to, or isn't your art showing outside of the United States at times as well? Yes. Uh, I don't think I have anything uh, on the schedule, but I have shown in quite a bit in Europe, especially in England and France and in Taiwan, a lot in Taiwan and Singapore. But right now, I don't have anything scheduled outside of the U.S. that I can think of. Now, how can uh, anyone see your art? Is it on the web? Yeah, it is. It's Of course, it's on the, uh, there's the art gallery section of right here on kingsnake.com. Anyone who hasn't seen that should check that out. Um, there are, uh, I think, four of us on there now and uh, more to be added soon. And uh, then I have my own, a couple of my own websites. There's cpbreastvankempen.com and artistsofnature.com. And then the uh, uh, park uh, website, the www.parkplace, P-A-R-C-P-L-A-C-E.com. If you go there, uh, if you, they have a herb art at the park exhibit that has a whole lot of uh, reptile-oriented artwork that's very nice, including some of mine. Yeah. Now, um, I understand you're going to be organizing a, a herb art show in the uh, at the National Reptile Breeders Expo in Daytona. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, in the past, there have been uh, a few other reptile art shows in conjunction with that expo, but this this year we're really going to. I'm organizing it, and I'm putting a lot of effort into doing it right. And we've got some really great artists, uh, some of the biggest names in the wildlife art 
world are going to have their work there, and it's really going to be a, a great show. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a lot of work and just representing the very best in the genre. So uh, so I want to miss that. That'll be in Daytona Beach next August. August. Now, Carl, where can anybody purchase limited edition prints of your artwork? Well, my work is published by Millpond Press in Venice, Florida, and uh, my Herp, uh, Herp-related prints from Millpond can be purchased through the kingsnake.com art gallery. And uh, for any other Millpond prints, uh, you can go to millpond.com and uh, my you can see there all the all the, the work that's available through Millpond. Now, do you also sell your originals? Yes, that's that's basically how I how I make my living. And I have a few originals available through Kingsnake.com on the art gallery, and then some uh, non-reptile stuff uh, on my websites. Say that someone has aspirations of becoming an artist. Uh, how would one go about breaking into the art business? Uh, is this very hard to do? Well, it's um, yes and no. It's it's not that hard to do, but it takes some time. The way I did it, I, when I got to that point where I decided I wanted to do it, I dove in head first and just uh, treaded water until I figured out how the how the world works. Figured out who the people were that I had to impress and how to how to go about impressing them. And um, it took quite a few years before um, people started paying attention, but it, it happened eventually. And just in the matter of doing it and looking at the uh, art magazines and seeing where the art shows are and applying to these art shows, trying to figure out which are the best ones for you and um, getting your work seen by the, the people who can really help you out. When you paint, can you describe the process or what it is that you go through to, to create one of these fabulous paintings? It starts out with a concept. That's, uh, that's the first thing. And uh, then I sit down and do a lot of little thumbnail sketches trying to figure out how to, how to design a, a drawing that will, that will best represent that. And uh, then I build onto those drawings until I wind up with a pretty detailed finished drawing. Now at this point, I usually don't use any reference. I just work out of my head. And then once I get it pretty much all designed the way I want to, then I hit the books and the zoo, whatever, to get the reference materials to correct the anatomy and everything of the animals. Then I go to Kinko's and blow it up to the proper size and trace it onto the illustration board. Then I do a very detailed underpainting, just being concerned at this point with texture pretty much and nothing else. And this is all done in brown. And then, uh, then I tint my illustration board with uh, with an airbrush. And then at this point, I have a pretty much a, a precise roadmap that I paint on top of. And at this point, I know right where to go. And it's a very labor-intensive process, but it works pretty well. It, it usually takes me about a month and a half to do a 20 by 30 inch painting. Now, you mentioned reference material. Uh, don't you also travel? Uh, you know, I, I know that you've been to South America and Africa and so forth, but uh, uh, do you do the travel mostly to get uh, information or background material for your, for your paintings? Yep, yep, that and also uh, just uh, to learn more about the, you know, to get the ideas, to get a better understanding of, of nature in different areas. 
Uh, are there any interesting stories that you can tell us about your travels or any uh, tidbits of information that you want to share with our audience? Oh, yeah, there, there are lots of, uh, had lots of interesting little uh, things happen to me. One time I was in Darien province in, in Panama and had some guys that I imagine were drug runners. Uh, I didn't ask them what they did for a living, but they were heavily armed out in the middle of the jungle in a jeep. And uh, they wanted to know what I was doing, and I told them that I was a, an artist and that I was just out trying to bone up on my tropical ecology. And they asked if they could look in my back, and I said, yeah, sure, you've you got the gun. I'm, so I took off my back, and the guy opened my back and saw the paints and everything in there and sketchbooks, and he said to his friends, yeah, he's okay, he's telling the truth, he's, he's an artist. And he said, you mind if I take a look at these? And I said, yeah, yeah sure. So he started looking at my sketches, and he said, oh, I like this one. Oh, that one's nice. Hey, do you, you drink coffee? Get this guy some coffee. <laughs> and I went up having lunch with him, and uh, they showed me a real nice gallery forest. They gave me a ride to a real nice uh, river with some beautiful gallery forest, and we uh, parted uh, um, on very good terms. <laughs> I, sitting at your house the other day, um, I uh, also overheard you tell a story to somebody about uh, some episode in West Africa. Can you tell our audience about yeah, that? Yeah, well, I was just in Senegal uh, this last summer. Uh, I'd been working with Jim Pether in the Canary Islands, and uh, he and I uh, afterwards uh, went over to Senegal for a, for a little while, which was just a wonderful country. And uh, we had first gotten there. We'd just gotten there, and we were taking a taxi up to San Louis from Dakar. And uh, the taxi driver asked us if, if uh, we were hungry. He spoke uh, French and Wolof, and we spoke... Uh, not very much of either of those, so we were having a little trouble communicating. And um, but we managed to communicate enough. And he asked uh, if we wanted to stop for lunch, and we said, "Yeah, sure, we'll stop for lunch." He said, "You want, you like fish?" We said, uh, "Sure, sure, fish is good." So we stopped at stopped at a place, and he talked in Wolof, which is the the, the main language of Senegal, uh, the main uh, local language and talked to this woman for a while and he turned around and said, uh, no fish, no fish here. And we went from place to place, no fish here, no fish here, no fish today. And we're starting to think, well, something other than fish would be okay. So we finally stopped at a place in the next town where the, he says, there's fish here, fish here. We eat here, we eat fish. And we're sitting there in this, and it's your basic rural African uh, restaurant. You know, it's just a sort of a lean-to with a wood fire. And uh, we're sitting outside in the shade waiting for this guy to prepare the meal. And we hear this whacking sound. Look in there, and he's got a machete, and he's whacking at this donkey leg. And evidently, a, the taxi driver had the wrong word for donkey. <laughs> but uh, it was, they served it to us on an old cement bag, and it was delicious. It was, uh, it was a very good meal. But okay. All right, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't like any fish I'd had. <laughs> All right. All right, listen, we're about to run out of time. Um, Carl, this has been a great visit, uh, and I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to be with us here today. Well, thank you, Louie. It's an honor. <laughs> oh, great, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this includes another edition of Kingsnake.com's web radio. Uh, for Kingsnake.com, this is Louie Forrest, and until the next time, I bid you a fond and cordial farewell.